What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to The Art of War Unbroken. I feel like I should sound like I'm from the South. I am not Blake Law, Arkansas something something. Uh, Champions may lose, but their spirit remains unbroken is the thing I have to say at the start of this. Uh, Dice, don't blame them. All of that. I'm Steve Joel, standing up for Blake Law because Blake is unwell. He's got flu and he's at his parents' house and he's moving house. He's moving cities. So there's a lot going on for Blake. Uh, So I'm kind of the the stand-in co-host to... Now, I want to give you a big intro, Brad Chester, but I can't think of anything bigger than the new Captain America, the man with the the shield. So, uh, Brad Chester, man, how good is that? I'm super excited about it. I'm looking to run around and be excited, get people excited about it. And I'm going to randomly file, wander the country panhandling to try to get make sure I can get everybody over to Europe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? So uh, getting Team America together, heck yeah, and getting them to uh, Europe to do well next year at the WTC. Congratulations on the appointment. That's super cool. Thank you so um, much. I want to introduce our our guest, because the whole deal with this, uh, with Unbroken, we know the way this works. Brad, particularly, is going to be asking questions of a man who, an elite player with the elite (laughs) player mindset, who uh, has gone to a big event and lost a game, in this case, just the one game, and it happened to be the final game of the event at which he finished second. Uh, This is a Canadian friend of mine, uh, as it turns out. Francois Lalonde, welcome to the program. How are you, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it, it's. I don't know if it's a good thing to be invited on the show as a person who lost a game, and that's the game. <laughs> it makes losing a lot less, uh, you know, painful. Because <laughs> you had to go through a bunch of uh, games to get to this. It's funny, Brad and Francois, in the start of this, Blake usually talks about you're not allowed to blame the dice, right? We have all, all had games where, man, if I just rolled the that charge, it would have been different. Or on the very last turn of the game, if I had just made that save that I should have made, all I needed was a three up, then it should have been fine. Uh, but you didn't, and you blame the dice. But the point of this show is someone like Brad can help us understand that if we were in the right spots or if we maybe had you know backup plans or whatever else, maybe we don't have to blame the dice. Although yeah. I will say... Sorry, but we I played a game of Catan with my kids yesterday. Get this. You, the, I don't know if you've played Catan. The seven means a certain thing if you roll a seven on two dice. Seven out of the first eight rolls from the four of us were sevens. Seven <laughs> out of the first. What are the stats on that, man? That just shouldn't happen. Anyway, sorry, Brad, you were going to say no, on the, on the just, dice roll. I love, I love that, though, with the dice rolling. Though. It's, it's such a big thing because most of the time you actually made a mistake. And that's why you're focused on whether you got, you're like, oh, my dice were bad. You're like, yeah, but were they over the game or were you just focused after you made your crappy move and you were (laughs) out in the open? 
that now you needed your saves to be at least average. And then you're hyper focused on, oh, they're bad. You're like, yeah, but why are you over there? <laughs> yeah, standing, yeah. As you're standing at uh, on top of the X that your opponent left you as a trap, standing underneath the anvil, Looney Tune style. <laughs> you're like, maybe you shouldn't be here in the first place. This is because I am an idiot and I don't understand statistics and how they work. It took me four times failing an eight-inch charge with Terminators who just, just dropped in. Four times failing that charge, leaving them out in the open before I went. Because I thought, oh, the next one I'll get it. Oh, no, the next <laughs> one. Should leave two. They're due to make this charge now. I'll drop them in and do it. And then they fail the fourth time. I'm like, damn you, Dice. No, wait. That was me being an idiot. <laughs> it's nothing to do with the dice. That's just bad play. Anyway, you two are both top players. Francois, you're in your own right. You know, a, a great player. You've been on a tear lately. You've you've gone over to, because you own every army in creation, you've gone over to Leagues of Votan now. So that's what we want to talk about. This is exciting. We get to talk about Leagues of Votan. I don't know if this is the, the very first time on the show, but we've, we're going to... I'm going to do a Blake Law expression uh, here. We're going to deep dive <laughs> into the, the leagues of OTAN. So uh, let's start with, uh, if it's okay if I just take over here for a bit, let's start with the event. Francois, tell us about the event, and we like to cover off at this stage a little bit about the terrain at the event, all the little details that made a difference about you know how it went and how you played and what you did. Sure. Uh, so the event was called Capital Clash, the uh, Fall 2022 edition. We have this uh, series of GTs here in Austin. Ottawa, called the Capital Clashes because it is our nation's capital. It's not super original, but it, ha it is descriptive at least. And we have four a year, so one per season, basically. And this was the fall edition of that tournament. And I really love that event, uh, mostly because it's 800 meters from my house, so I could literally <laughs> walk there. <laughs> so that is very convenient. Sure. But also because it is put together by a couple of great guys here locally. Um, Dan, the owner of the Red Dragon, which is the store that sponsors it, but also um, um, the TO and head judge is Jeremy Atkinson, who does the stats in the background for Stat Check, and he runs a very tight ship, so it's a really wonderful event. I also love Stat Check so much. I know. <laughs> They're great. Go listen to Stat Check. But uh, Jeremy is an, an amazing judge, and he's very active in judging, something I like. Maybe we can talk about that when it comes to the game when, when we get there. Uh, but the event is also player-placed terrain, but with a twist. Something that I like a lot is that we have a fixed middle ruin deployment, because one of the big things with player plays terrain is that first drop can you win or lose you the game sometimes in some matchups so there's no like i'm gonna plunk my big ruin on the middle objective with my melee army and win because of that right? give me a little bit of what the ruin looks like what kind of ruin comes in the middle so if you imagine a medium-sized WTC Ruin, it's about that size. So uh, maybe four inches on the short side and six or seven inches on the long side with windows. Very important. Uh, yeah. the, the windows matter there. And they are straddling the middle objective. So imagine, if you will, that the long edge of the Ruin is parallel to the player battlefield edge. And then it, they are on either side of the objective. Basically, the objective will be on the inside part of the Ruins. So you can hide in between the two ruins, but they have windows. So if you touch, you can see through. I love that a lot, actually, because so many times in player place terrain, you just take your biggest, especially if you have a windowless ruin, and just go, bam, deal with it. Or the other way around, though. You put that tiny crate and go, well, it looks like nothing's going in the middle. So I, I, li I like that a lot because it gives you a little bit of the, the best of both worlds where it's not oppressive, 
but it's also not absolutely nothing in the middle there. Yeah, and as someone who played a lot of Drukari um, earlier in the season, I can tell you, <laughs> yeah. ruin placement matters a lot. So that that makes it more even for players, which is something we it took a few iterations to get it right. But but I feel like this is uh, a small innovation that we've come up with locally that makes the terrain um, more even and then we also each get two more ruins including one fairly large one that you can hide most of an army behind to try and limit the alpha strike and then everyone gets a grate and a crate basically nice how many players are at this this event Francois? uh 38 i want to say i think we may may uh i've started at 40 and then a couple dropped i think we, we ended up at 38 okay. so five rounds single winner good size um nice little five round event and uh, you took Leagues of Botan. I feel like the, uh, unless Brad wants to, because I know that every episode we've got to do a tangent. I don't know if the tangent is going to be about player place trainer, <laughs> if we want to save it for just in case teams events. I mean, you, you started about, you started about <laughs> talking about teams in Captain America. I, I, I feel like I'm proud of myself for not doing a 20 minute rant on teams just to start the show. So. Well, let me get it. Okay. Well, let's keep on track then. So uh, with, with that sort of semi player place terrain, we understand the terrain layout. Uh, we'll get to the game specifics in a minute in terms of, you know, what the mission was and all of that. Actually, I don't know if we've mentioned, we did off air, but I don't know if we mentioned it since we started, that this episode, for folks who are new to Unbroken, this part of the episode, part one, is really going to be all about the list and covering off, uh, you know, some of the game and, and how that all worked out for Francois. And we know that it was a loss, but how it all kind of played out. Then part two is the Bradening. I, I don't know why I said that in that sultry after hours. Because kind of. <laughs> that's what it is. It's what it is. Oh, something else to note about the event before I forget is we were doing differential scoring as well. So 20-0 yes. WTC style scoring, which I, to me I find more interesting. I can rant about that for so long. <laughs> I thought you'd have an opinion on that, right? <laughs> I do, because the thing is, is that you hear people all the time say, you know, people have put in their scores and someone will have, you know, maybe more points than they thought someone was going to get because they're winning. But you get to points in the game, whether you've won or lost, where if you've scored 100 points and your 100 points no matter matters at all to your opponent. You know what I mean? What they do, I'm sitting on three objectives. I've already scored by secondaries. I'm just going to stand here. Why would I ever bother to go to year two objectives at that point in time? And that's not a colluding it's just why why would I ever i get nothing from doing that besides going i would like to see you have a bad time you know what i mean so there's uh, i just want to spite you by having you take less points there's no reason to do it in a differential you have to play all five turns you have to figure you know you have to continue out if you want to get that maximum score and there's a reason and both players know that so the other player also has a reason to scrap for points because they want that differential. Because if you get to the end of the tournament, that five or six points you scored in your differential might give you a good pacing, even though you've got that loss. Especially yeah, since yeah. in differential, ties are much more likely. So it's quite yeah. possible that there's not someone on five wins at the end. And then the differential points is what's going to break the tie. Yeah, because you have to you have to win by six to, mm -hmm. to actually win the game. To so be I, I like it a lot better. Um, than, than straight battle points. It also means that some armies that win game but not big, it changes the way that they play. So some armies like Necrons, they'll just score all the points, right? But then you might have scored a 90 against the Necron player who scored 100. Well, you still lost, but in a differential setting, then you'll it'll be an 11-9, right? So yeah. it's still like you get something I, out of it. I like it just a significant more just because of the fact that right now as we have it, 
hundred to ninety nine might as well be a hundred to zero. It, you know, you know, no one cares, kind of thing. Yeah. So. And let's be honest, in a game that's decided by less than five points, it might as well be a tie, right? Just a little little thing here and there. If you ground out the whole time and then you're just like, oh, it's just an L, it doesn't matter. That 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 bugs me. Yeah. Yeah. For for folks who are not familiar with differential scoring, this is the way it's done at Teams events. I was gonna say most, but I'm pretty sure every single team event runs differential scoring. Not, so not everyone, factor, but most of them. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'll say them, right. it, it, should, it, it should be all of them, but most okay. of them. <laughs> but it, it runs in factors. the frontline so. team events don't run differential, do they? They did, well, they did one year. It was, <laughs> okay, yeah. We won't talk is about it, that. <laughs> is it five-point bumps? So every five points is a point in, in whatever direction. Is that how you played it, four or yeah, five? It's 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 five. It's basically you start 10-10, and then the then every five-point uh, right. five differential, but you have to get over the first point, basically gets to six so within five points is just a 10 10 and okay. then everything after that the next five goes to 11 9 12 you know you you start to get every five points is a point one point plus for the the winner one point minus for the loser so you start getting spread and you have to win by quite a bit to get a 20 oh it's a uh 55 yeah or sorry 50 point 50 point win so let's talk about the let's talk about the list that you took to the event. As we are looking through the list, normally you look through a list and you go, "Oh yeah, I recognize that. I recognize that type of thing or what that says." This is a leagues of OTAN list, and I was looking through it, going, "I don't even know what weapon type that is, let alone <laughs> name." It's, it's okay. I can go into a little bit more detail than I normally would to try to make sure okay. everyone follows. Yeah, now, okay. first, I have to say I can't take credit for writing the list because this is a list that Jeremy. Um, well, I think he he wrote it along with uh, Anthony Vanella they they worked on it together and a few other people so i just shamelessly stole the list so let me let me just say first and foremost list stealing is totally fine <laughs> it's what you do with the <laughs> list worry. that counts I, I told last time i played jack's exact list i told him i gave him 11% credit because i changed three <laughs> weapons <laughs> so, so totally i did not come up with the list um, <laughs> but it's a very good League of Votan list, I think. Uh, it's a Ymir battalion. So Ymir is the guild that uh, gives you an invulnerable save on all your stuff. Uh, if you have a two-up save, you get a four-up invuln, so that's the land fortresses. And if you don't have a two-up save, you get a five-up invulnerable save, which hilariously means that your berserkers that are basically naked get a five-up invulnerable save. That said, that's not, to me, the most powerful part of the trait. What I found makes more difference in most matchups is you also get plus four inches on your guns, of range and Votan is kind of a mid-range army, so that four extra inches makes a huge difference. And then in half range, if you're if you're shooting something with a grudge token, which is the Votan mechanic, you get an extra pip of AP. And and I find that people fixate on the invuln, and don't get me wrong, it's really good. But the other two parts of the trade to me AP make it even bigger. So difference. big. Also, if you're not shooting, if something doesn't have a grudge token, one, why doesn't it have a grudge token? Two, <laughs> why are you shooting it if it doesn't have a grudge token? Yeah, it's pretty easy to get grudge tokens on things. Uh, by the end of the game, everything will have a grudge token on it. Uh, and the list actually is designed to even put more tokens on, right? Because if we start looking at characters, um, we have a call, that's the captain equivalent, just a base one, not upgraded. Uh, you're not taking him for the rerolls in this list. You're taking him for um, the token that he can put on something he sees. But also he has a warlord trait, a long list that does like four different things. It's a very involved warlord trait. But the main one is if you kill something with a judgment token in a phase, at the end of that phase, your call can move one of those tokens to a new target that he can see. Now the 
he can see part is important because sometimes you've killed everything he can see and you don't get to move a token. But that means that you can recycle those tokens as units die, which is very, very powerful. And then just for fun, he has a um, the long list also lets him snipe characters and he has a relic bolter and he can teleport. So sometimes you can just teleport somewhere and just snipe out the, a squishy character. But that's kind of a for fun thing. I think you may want to drop that stat for CP because the strats are really good in Leagues of Votan. And then we have a Grimnir, which is the space wizard equivalent, which feels weird as a fan of fantasy dwarves that they have a wizard, but whatever. <laughs> it's heresy. Heresy the dwarves have psychers. And he's very good because you can give him a relic that allows him to do a psychic action and then cast. And League of Otan secondaries are not great, so having access to psychic secondaries is fantastic. Until you run into Thousand Suns, we'll talk about that. <laughs> And then his three D cough cough three D six to nine. And then his his powers are there's one to remove invulns. Um, that's a cast on an eight, so pretty situational. There's one that gives you CP, and that one is great because it is not. It is explicitly not capped. Uh, and so if you interrogate someone, get a CP from that, and then cast that spell with your second cast, which you're allowed to do because of his murmuring stave, you get two CP in a psychic phase. It can get out of hands very quickly. I had games where I was up to like five six CP. And it's um, it's an army that's very CP intensive. Uh, and then we have a upgraded Brokier Forge Master. That's their uh, Tech Marine equivalent. And he basically uh, nulls out an instance of damage on a land fortress, which is very important. You get shot by a Melta, you take six damage, and you go, nope, that one is going to go to zero. And it's not the first one. You get to pick. <laughs> so yeah. it's very oh strong. Oh my that's, god, I hate that so much. That, <laughs> it's, like... it's so big that it's not the first uh -huh. one. Too. Oh, yeah. It's not like Zinch, where you just start with the damage one stuff, burn yeah. it, and then move on. Yeah. Um, and he also... Doing that to me all day yesterday, though, and it, that I'm still I'm still butt sore from that. That's... That, <laughs> I hate that so much. That, that thing of, I got that wound through. Uh, no, I'm just canceling that. I'm just like, yeah. I'm going to ignore that one. Don't worry about it. I hate it. Now, anyway. The other, the other thing he can do is he can heal flat four as long as one of his little mechanical assistants is still alive. And uh, that came up in my first game of the tournament where I went second to Tau. One land fortress went down to three wounds remaining. And then over the next five turns, it healed back to full. Wow. <laughs> oh, God, that was <laughs> Which terrible. was very disheartening for my Tau opponent. <laughs> <laughs> You're making this sound not much fun to play against. Oh, uh, to be fair, I I was having fun, but I'm not sure some of my friends <laughs> <was> were. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very strong army. Um, you hear some strange opinions about Leagues of Votan online and on Discord and various places. I personally think it's still very, very strong. And that's why I'm playing it. Because <laughs> I am questions. shameless. There have been some questions around beam weapons. Uh, did you include beam weapons in your list? And if so, uh, this is this is a. I'm re bringing this up because a couple of OTAN lists coming to an event this coming weekend. One with one without. Really differing opinions on a how good they are and particularly now with the update. What do you think about the beam weapons, and did you have any? Yeah, I took two land fortresses. We can jump right to heavy support, because that's the important or fun part of the list, because that's 640 points worth <laughs> of, right. of units, right? So two land fortresses and full beams. Um, I really, really like beams. Uh, the mechanic is very strong if you can plan it out, and you do have 10 inches of movement on your fort, so it's actually fairly easy to line up beam shots. And then you have a couple of strats you can do on the beams as well to get mortal wounds on top. Very strong. 
it came up a lot actually in the tournament because we uh, live in a meta with a lot of uh, Chaos Terminators that have various buffs on them, like uh, Trans Hitman or Minuses to Hit or all of that. And it's uh, very funny for the Votan player when your opponent reminds you that his Terminators can't be hit on better than a four. And then you say, but I'm not shooting the Terminators. I'm shooting the Flamers behind the Terminators and I'm hitting the Terminators along the way. <laughs> and uh, so, yes, I'm rolling on wow. twos. <laughs> I'm hitting on yeah. twos, those Terminators. For this event, were you playing? Playing with the intent that GW outlined in their recent update, or were you playing? So I'm asking, did units in between count as hits for so, other? No, because that was pre-clarification from GW. But I will say that I don't think it actually came up. Um, the right. land fortresses tend to be at the front because you don't have a ton of screening in this army, which is actually one of the issues with it. And even if it did, I don't feel like that's a problem because you have control of your movement phase, right? So you can just move your unit out of the way. If you're beaming your own stuff, it's because you made a mistake, I think. Um, so I don't I don't feel like that's a huge deal. Okay. Uh, can I ask about the tokens? Sorry, one uh, for people who haven't played against Votan. Uh, the, the only thing that's in my head is, is uh, you know, the Tau mechanic, which is similar do the do the tokens stay on a unit for a whole game or does it yeah. is it at the end really there's no way to get rid of them you can even leave the table and come back and yeah. the tokens follow you they literally aren't like a marker light or anything like that where the old marker light where you when they go away as you choose once you get a token you just have a token wow and the only uh, other question that, it, that it probably should to... go away <laughs> yeah yeah the only other question that occurs to me about your list uh francois is for the duration of the the event, which unit would you say is your? I oh, damn it! You're <laughs> gonna. Does he did he give you notes to steal this? Yeah, no, I Sorry. just listen to podcast a lot. I got distracted which, by Brad's eruption there. What was the question? <laughs> which unit would you say out of your list is the MVP, and which unit is on the chopping block? Brad Law is going to be oh. sorry. Blake Law is going to be so proud of me for asking that question. The MVP, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of very good units in there, but I'm going to go with the Berserkers. Um, yeah. And in fact, I the next iteration of the list has more Berserkers in. I have I, two units of five uh, Berserkers, um, and I think I need a third unit, uh, especially for our player place terrain, to just go ahead and dig people out of ruins. The Berserkers are an absolutely amazing combat unit. They're basically better Repentia. And um, even after the points hike, I personally feel they're probably the best combat unit in the game. Uh, once you take into account all of the, the token shenanigans you can do with them, they have a reroll strat, they fight on death. If you have three tokens on something, you pop the reroll strats, and basically your five-man unit has 15 Thunder Hammer attacks, except they're better Thunder Hammers because more AP. You hit on fours re-rolling, and every single hit becomes a wound. They, this, it's nuts. It's so crazy. Yeah. And the, the thing on that is I think they're amazing. The fight on death is crazy for taking objectives, especially if you're behind something, because your opponent, a lot of times, try clears you off. And even if they clear you off with the fight on death, you kill that unit and they don't get their knights, don't get their, you know, hold three, you know, people aren't setting up. A lot of times you get an extra, you might get a 12 on the objectives now because he doesn't hold that one that he was planning on holding. So it's it's huge on that. I love and that. Co combat armies that rely on combat trades, they get really upset at berserkers because they go in if they kill the berserkers because they're surprisingly tanky actually with the feel no pain and the inbound, then they get killed back. And so that's a big problem for a lot of armies. And and the, you've taken Ymir as your uh, your league. 
Uh, a berserker's better than that. I feel like there's another one that's even more combat-y that they so, could go. There's an argument to be made for taking the, and I'm blanking on the name now, like it sounds like a bear name, um, the combat. Um, uh, you got the Kronos, and then you've got Grand Thurian. Yeah, got, I, I forget uh, which one it is, but there, I think it may be Kronos. It's, it's, it's worse for everything. Attacks. Yeah, it's just you're worse for everything else, though. Yeah, but this is the thing, because I feel like the Invuln, yes, it makes the berserkers very tanky. But also, it's just because you have so many guns in the army. We're talking about Berserkers, but it's a primarily a shooting army, right? Yeah. The right. extra four inches of range and the extra pip of AP and half range of shooting at something with a token, I would have a hard time giving that up. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was asking the Berserkers, are good in Yamiya, could they be even better if someone was taking something else? Yeah, I think if you take the, the one where you get extra attacks and extra AP in combat... Um, they get even nuttier, but right. I feel like they're they're already killing pretty much anything I need them to kill. There's very few things that will survive a charge from berserkers, so I don't know if you need that necessarily. So you've got the zerkers inside the fortresses then, because yeah, they so have the two fortresses, uh, ten zerkers in one fortress, and well, usually I'd put both units in one fortress, and then a unit of Hearthkin warriors, the troops, with the iron blasters, which is the shorter range guns, in the other fortress, and then kind of push both of those forward fairly aggressively. I feel like Votan is a table your opponent kind of army because the secondaries are a little iffy, and you know you can always raise banners on their corpses. <laughs> <laughs> you brought the you three. Sorry, Brad. You didn't answer the second part of the question. Which unit is on the chopping block? Oh, right. What, uh, so that? I would probably... Um, well, it's hard because you want the CP, but I would probably move away from the battalion and cut some of the troop units because while they're good, um, I feel like if I could cut a troop unit and replace it with a berserker unit by doing going double patrol and moving some upgrades around, that would make the list stronger. It's not a huge change, but that's the, the iteration that I would make next. You can see on that. Do you like the, the ions better than the bolters? I, I do uh, like the volume of the bolters. So right. to be honest, I have ions in the list because I had a few extra points left over. And when I got my Votan box, I thought ions looked cool and I painted a unit with ions. <laughs> and I didn't feel like painting a third bolter unit. I can but understand I, that. I think you're right that the bolters are the better choice. And if I cut one unit, it's the bolter unit that I'm going to cut. <laughs> Sorry, the ion unit. Yeah, I can. Well, let's go over your opponent here. He was playing some Cult of Duplicity, a big shock. I, uh, yeah, I know. You guys are gonna go. Uh, <laughs> the list is amazing, but it it it's so good that you've probably seen it before. So we've got Aramon, we've got an Exalted Sorcerer, and we've got the Infernal Master. We've got four units of rubrics with warp flame pistols on all of them because they're amazing. Mm -hmm. I think he took. There's no flamers on here, correct? Uh, on the rubrics, no. Yeah, I just want to make sure I was missing. There are flamers, but they're not really. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a Chaos Contemptor Dreadnought with twin Volkites. We've got a 10-man Scarab Occult Terminator with all the fixings. Two units of Zangor Enlightened. Then we've got... Zoop, you got to go back over here. And then we've got the Changecaster and three units of flamers because, well, that's just what you do now. That's what and you do nowadays. Yeah, 15 flamers. And you, should, you, and you should enjoy those flamers being in there, everyone, because when GW puts at the bottom of their meta watch that, yes, we know flamers are a problem, <laughs> well, I'm just saying. <laughs> They're going to go to 50 points a model. <laughs> they, they, they haven't been, they haven't had a history of being nice about their nerfs. So, <clears throat> so going into the, into the match, what mission are we playing? And give me some secondaries for uh, you and your opponent, if you could, if you're so, First, I'll preface by saying that my opponent is my good friend, Nick Blackburn, who was um, spending the weekend in my guest room in my basement. So we oh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> to the event together. Oh, wow. 
So, and Nick had, has given me a lot of grief over the years about my filthy meta chasing. And now look at him. He's playing 15 flamers. So, yeah, take that, Nick. Who's the filthy meta chaser now? He he will tell you he's had thousands of suns painted and have been playing them for a long time. But those flamers have just managed to sneak so, into the army. thousand suns part is true. But the time. flamers, I know for a fact, were painted the week before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's a, like this list at the moment. I was uh, a friend of mine, another Kiwi, was a guy named David Gaylard took basically this list, mm-hmm. uh, almost exactly that list, actually, to the big uh, Leicester event, like the 250 odd player Leicester event over the weekend just gone. And Vic Vijay won it with that well, list as well. I think there were three yeah. or four in the top yeah. 10 of that exact army. So this is this is the thing that people are going to come up against until it yeah. gets nerfed, right? I would say, and this is not to excuse my loss in any way, but I would say that this is, at this moment, if I had to say this is the best list in 40K, that one is real near the top. It's very strong. Right. It's so it's, its output is just ridiculous. On yeah, flamers are nutty. <laughs> Absolutely nutty. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're playing Data Scry Salvage. So that mission is one that I kind of like, but it leads to some interesting dynamics depending on who goes first and and how quickly you can get on objectives because they're sticky and you have all those those kind of rules associated to the mission. And uh, for secondaries, I have them in my phone because I track all of my games with um, the wonderful app that Gunahammer uh, made. So I'm going to tell you mine and then his. I took uh, Assassinate. No prisoners and banners. And you can tell from that what my plan was. <laughs> my plan was to table him quickly. Uh, I, I had identified before the game that this was by far my worst matchup of any army at the event because Thousand Sons and Flamers have incredible volume, but also so many mortal wounds that they can just snap their fingers and make a land fort disappear from mortal wounds. Um, I had not, to that point in four games, lost a single land fortress yet. <laughs> but I knew that Thousand Suns could make them disappear fairly quickly. So I figured I did not want to play a long game into the Thousand Suns, especially because they have much better secondaries than me. Uh, because I have the, the Space Wizard, he can take Wrath of Magnus and Sorcerer's Prowess and Warp Ritual. And just basically, if he, if he stays on his side and I stay on my side, I just lose. So I have to go at him, and I have to go at him hard. So that was my plan from the get-go. I'm just going to run at him screaming and hope to table him. Uh, it almost worked. <laughs> Not quite. It's funny because I, I think that this mission is actually really bad for you in this matchup because oh, of the fact because he can just sit. He literally can just sit because you do have the sorcerer <clears throat> because he can just go, hey, I'll sit on my three, you sit on your three, and I'll wave at you and just win by 15-plus points. Yeah, it's a, it's a really horrible matchup, especially on that on that mission. Uh, if we do nothing, I lose. So at least I knew that going in, right? So I had a plan. You need to do something about this. You have to change the game state, and to change the game state, it means I have to come to him. Not ideal, but the army's actually pretty good at doing that. Um, especially if I go first, which spoiler alert, I didn't. <laughs> but if I had gone gone first, the bikes could have positioned, and the bikes are obsec. So in that mission, you can do something fun like pregame move your bikes onto the objectives, then move away, and now they're sticky for you. <laughs> so that that's a nice little clever play you can make. But that did not happen. Uh, so those those are the secondaries, and he starts with a pretty big advantage. Um, I feel, uh, but I don't want to blame going second on losing the game. I could have still won the game at that point. And in fact, the game was very tight, very close. Uh, we hammered each other 
so much that we actually scored fairly low in uh, battle points. I think it ended up something like 64 to 56 for wow. So a low scoring game. We were all down. We were both down to, I was down to four models and he was down to two units of flamers and Aramon at the end of the game. So we, <laughs> it was a real slobber knocker of a game and we both scored very low and keep in mind, this is differential scoring, right? So I lose by eight points, but really if I keep it, keep it within five we tie and i win on the differential for the whole event so it was as close as it could possibly be uh but gotta give nick props he played it real well he knows his thousand sons really well despite being a filthy meta chaser and um, <laughs> one thing one thing i will add about that game that was very nice and something that um is is near and dear to my heart is the judge of the event spent a lot of time watching over the top tables at the end to make sure there were no issues. And by issues, I don't mean a contentious game, right? Nick and I are friends. We're never going to have a contentious game, but make sure that we don't just forget something, uh, especially for me, because I'm playing a new book, which is a challenge in and of itself. I've been playing Tyranids for like 50 plus games. And I went to that GT with two practice games with Votan and just, you know, I have to figure it out right on the day, basically. And so I'm going to, I'm going to make mistakes. We all do, especially with a new book. So having the judge just right there looking at the game and reminding us both of stuff or just being available to just be quickly educate. Like if I move 10 inches that way, can I see him? And and there's no like back and forth. Yes, I can. No, you can't. The judge just looks and goes, yes, you can. Right. So that was a, a very neat things that I personally really appreciated about that game was having Jeremy there just basically looking over, making sure everything went smoothly. And uh, yeah, for, I don't know how much detail you want me to go into about the game, but that's that's where it starts. Well, well, you know what? We'll we'll rock it. We'll take that into part two because I've got some some questions about the setup and the plan and everything. Sounds good. In the brand. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward. Can to I? I don't know if this is a part one question or a part two question, but with what my friend Brad likes to refer to as twenty twenty hindsight, because <laughs> you know that twenty twenty hindsight is perfect. Knowing that that T-Suns list is is a terrible matchup, knowing that there are probably going to be a couple of those lists there, with 2020 hindsight, do you still take the wizard and open up that basically guaranteed 15-point secondary for him? Yeah, it's a question, a question I've wrestled with, and I don't know that there's a right answer to it, because the, the Space Wizard is so good in every single other matchup that it's, right. it feels kind of bad to drop it. But I think the army is strong enough. I've played it enough now and i've played it on tts a few more times as well since um to i think it still wins those other matchups just maybe not as easily without the the space wizard so maybe you take him out uh, that's definitely something i want to look into especially if you go double patrol then maybe you can go you can remove him have two characters free up some points and and maybe on top of that extra berserker unit you also get like a couple more bikes right so that there's definitely an argument to be made for that are you guys ready to go into the Bradney? Of course. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> Look forward to it. So, folks, listen, this is the end of part one of this two-part episode. Part two is only available to subscribers. So if you haven't already, please go subscribe to The Art of War so you can pick up part two. This is going to be two top-level players discussing how to avoid mistakes that were made. We're going to deep dive. Thank you, Blake Law, for allowing me to be on your podcast and say that. Uh, deep dive into the game, the mistakes, the way to counter those mistakes. Uh, we're going to have a really high-level discussion about that. And there is so much learning to be done for people like me, your mid-table players, people who can can pick up the, the gems from these two guys 
but only in part two, only in the Bradning. So we look forward to you joining us there. If you're not going to join us there and this is goodbye, please make sure to check out all the other great Art of War podcasts. There's the Art of War Vanilla. There's the Art of War Down Under with our friend Adam Camilleri. I the can't late, say the late. late and green. <laughs> in New Zealand, and I don't know what it's like for you guys, but if you say the late Adam Camilleri, that means he died. So yeah, I can't. That, that, that's the point of it. Is oh, okay, good. Okay. We, we just keep it running gag because Blake said that, didn't realize he said that. And I'm just like, <laughs> you, did Adam pass away? And I don't know. I just, I literally talked to him just like a, a yeah. day ago. Like, what happened? He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, you said he died. And he's like, oh, my bad. <laughs> and then we just kept rolling with it from that on. Right. All right. So if Dr. Blake Law can get away with it, then I guess <laughs> I have to do it. Uh, so listen, tune into all the other podcasts. Otherwise, we will catch you in part two. It's coming right up. Goodbye. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.